To be a monster. The only podcast about monsters. That is not true. The only good one. <laughs> Maybe. I ain't listening to other people's shit, then you'll say we're copying. <laughs> right. I've never investigated a single other monster podcast, but I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they're out there, but you know. But like, hey, thanks I for like thanks for do it. Thanks for listening to ours. Even though we just kind of slipped this in here, you were an idiom listener. And then all of a sudden, like, guess what? We're also doing monsters. Too late. What are you gonna hit the stop? You're too lazy. Yeah, lazy. Also, like that feeling of see, say you've you've listened to every idiom episode, yeah. And then all of a sudden, we have a monster episode. You wouldn't like that gap, right? You don't like that gap, no. So you're gonna you're gonna listen to it anyway, right? So hey, thanks for hanging out with us today. We're the Don't Be an Idiom Boys, but this is our Do Be a Monster podcast. Uh, Albert and I have each brought a monster to the table today and we're gonna we're gonna learn all about it and we don't know what each other picked it's just like the idiom just like the other show oh my gosh but uh yeah how you doing man i'm doing good survived the uh big birthday weekend there's only albert had a sci-fi friday party sci friday sci friday yeah that was good ryan had the winning costume did i used a cloak (laughs) you were like a yeah it was like a galactic (laughs) cloak yeah, I felt like a galactic monk or something. Yeah. Felt good. I could, yeah. do, that. I could do that all the time. All day. Well, so anyway, why don't we talk about something that you've probably been waiting for so long that you've forgotten that you're mm. waiting for it, which is our <laughs> monster board game contest. Well, it's been a while since our 10th Doobie Monster episode. Yeah. So we were really putting in the idiom miles for a while there. I love getting a good a good idiom foundation before we do a monster episode. I like it. I like it. I could, I could do more monsters in between. Oh uh, yeah. I will, maybe the summer will, you know, hold. it's the, it's a different feel. The research is to me less stressful. I stress yeah. a little bit when we're doing the idiom stuff. Yeah. You don't, there's right. more, it's more just like, this is so interesting. Oh my God. Look at this monster's <laughs> teeth or something. The idiom research is hard because you're, you're, you really try to make connections and you try to like find some interesting uh, yeah. rivulets to go down. Because that's and, why we do it. It's hard to figure out where the hell it comes from. Right. Because th- there's always, sometimes there's a, a, a specific answer that's easy to find, but then you want to find out what led to that answer. And right. that can be challenging. Especially when you're 60 episodes deep. That's 120-ish off the table now. <laughs> right. And they're getting harder. Yeah. So not the, that we're complaining. No, no. But the monster stuff is is great. I always just I usually wait to be inspired by like, all right, that's the one I'm doing next. Yeah. I don't usually have to like look for it. With the idiom stuff, I kind of have to like look for it or definitely. So, um, all right. So we got some good stuff for you today. First, uh, we did have a monster contest. We it was like an art contest, and we have a um, a cryptids board game to give away. And so, um, do you want to announce the winner, Albert? We, yeah. We chose, we put all of the names of all of the people who contributed some Dubia Monster art. First of all, thank you. The art was really cool. Yeah. Um, some of it's on our Instagram. If you want to check yeah, that check out. Yeah, check it out. But the winner and still champion is... <laughs> still champion. <laughs> In my, I always thought she was a champion. Okay. Mira. 
Mira Gessner, you're the best there. Good job. She did a, a beautiful painting. Yeah. Um, and it was a, it's kind of like a monster hand. Yeah. Well, well, it's in your room. So can you explain it to us? Yeah. So it's a, it's about the size of a record, mm-hmm. you know, right. and it, uh, it's, it's, it says do be a monster and the, there's eyeballs they're holding like the do the O's, mm-hmm. the O's are eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Really nice. Yeah. In her signature style. Yeah. She has a very specific style. She's a great artist. Um, and I love it. It looks great up in my uh, dining room. Yeah. So check that out. Mira, we will um, ship that out to you. Yes. And thank you to everyone else uh, contributed. And uh, yeah, if anyone else gets inspired to do some dubia monster art. Yo, we love it. We'll, we pu- love it. we'll put it up and you know, we'll find some other crap to give away if that helps. <laughs> I, trust me, I've been in Albert's room. There's crap in there we can give away. Right, just in my room. I got a lot of bloken blo- glass. I got a lot of bloken grass. Found another piece today. Man, you, yeah. Glass is hard. Glass is hard to get rid of. Well, it was a glass falling on another glass. And so that's two different kinds of glass. And they just shoot away from each other. cascade. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Mira. Um, and you, barns are red. Barns are red. Thank you. That's kind of an inside joke for Mira, isn't it? She told us why barns are red. Because they mix the rust with glue and then they put it all over the barn. <laughs> glue? I forget what the substance is. All right. So um, monster stuff. Albert had a really nice idea about um, exploring some Ukrainian monsters. Right. Just as a, a way of, of showing support to the Ukrainians. Right. Well, you actually just mentioned that, you know, a monster comes across and you're like inspired by that and you do the thing. I was at a little bit of a loss this week for like, oh, what do I want to research? And I was like, the war in Ukraine, right? They probably got some cool monsters. Well, here's the thing. They have two, right? Mm -hmm. And even the one with the most information, there's not a lot. It's called the Lake Soman monster. Mm -hmm. And it is essentially a 30 foot, uh, it looks like the body of a crocodile and the head of a serpent. Oh, okay. Cool. And there's been, uh, it's been documented for like over a hundred years that there's been something going on there. And there was even this time when the villagers refused to pay fishing taxes because they were afraid. They were like, the monster's eating all the stuff. Whoa. So they're like, like there's this letter that was sent to like the chairman in Warsaw. He's like, I couldn't collect the taxes. These guys are saying that the monster (laughs) is eating all the fish. Oh, that's great. So I thought that was pretty cool. Was this in a lake? It's in a lake, oh, yeah, right, okay, lake, cool. and it's called Lake Somans, the Lake Soman Monster, and it is, um, yeah. Okay, but you just couldn't find enough information about couldn't it, enough, enough stories about it. There was this one guy, he was 84, and he, he told this story about this dude that was wrangling cows or something, and then he got too drunk and fell asleep on the, on the beach, and then the monster came up and all these mushroom pickers saw yeah and they were like hey get out of here you monster and then uh it opened its mouth and it had no teeth Uh, and that's kind of that's less scary i know but i was thinking well maybe it's really old and it lost all its teeth oh yeah but anyway what the reason i was hoping for like a really killer monster story from ukraine is then i could say something like and that's what they need the monster comes up and bites off putin's head and jaboom done yeah well, I also just like as a metaphor, it would have been, that would be a great thing to imagine, you know, you yeah. know, just like in the, in the way that, that Godzilla sort of represented the nuclear warfare done on Japan, imagining a monster 
you know, that you could use in like, you know, pro Ukrainian imagery. Yeah. Like, like some sort of creature. Put it on the tanks and the missiles and exactly, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That, but that's a nice idea. I like that idea. Anyway, check it out. There's like two articles about the Lake Soman monster. Okay, cool. Um, great. It, was there a second one too, or just that was kind there of was a there was a a land animal that was like a it was dog slash kangaroo ish, and mm. really what it sounded like was a chupacabra. Oh, okay. And they even caught like they, they, they said they like kind of got a dead one or something like that and i looked mm-hmm. at it i was like eh, it doesn't look very scary yeah um and i like my land beasts to be more fierce looking it looked it really did look like a kangaroo dog yeah that's not super intimidating so but it's it was a blood sucker like so yeah yeah that's cool i can't remember that one's name um we've uh the last Three episodes, we've been bringing these monster theses to each of the episodes just for some interesting kind of theories for you guys to chew on. And uh, this was these were uh, created by Jeffrey Jerome Cohen, this uh, critical theorist who, who analyzed a bun- bunch of different monster stories in like culture and also fiction. And so the fourth thesis is this, the monster dwells at the gates of difference, mm. which has a nice ring to it. Um, at the gates of difference. What do you think about that? Well, I guess what I would think is the gates of difference. See, this this makes me think about kind of like how they're born out of like fear. Like this mm-hmm. is that thing's different, so we're afraid of it. So right. you know, that's why <laughs> we need to make it a monster. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You know, cult. I mean. Well, I'm just going to read this one quote. Monstrous difference tends to be cultural, political, racial, economic, sexual. And I think this thesis can be like mostly applied to... Sexual. (laughs) I'd like to say sexual. (laughs) No, but I mean, in, in history... Just like uh, more more so than than fiction, you know, the way that Americans created Native Americans to be monsters, right? The, the word savage came to, comes to mind a right. lot when they were described, or the way that the Germans depicted the Jews as as yes. like you know almost like rat people in their in their uh, propaganda. Yeah, um, and th- this obviously you can, you can point to like any culture. Marijuana. Remember, like when they started, like the reef, like when they, they were reef trying to, madness thing. Well, they were trying to create fear uh like you know like straight white people were trying yeah. to create fear about mar- it wasn't even ever called marijuana but mm. then they used that term to make it because sound, it sound more like latin american right? scary yeah. Yeah. like yeah like mexican people with their marijuana are gonna come mm. and ruin the world or something like right. so yeah like it was just it was just like the fear of the unknown if those guys were just gotten high they would really chill give me a corn dog yeah so if you were someone who does drugs you yourself could be a monster Absolutely. Right, yeah. And so that's, so that's, a, that's like perceived as one. Yes. And so you can, you can point to so many different um, examples of this throughout history. And I mean, obviously today we still make monsters out of the other, anything that's anything that we don't understand um, is monstrous, monstrous to us. Right. right? Like if you're for closed minded, um, you know, individuals that, yeah. Like that just that just fear something that they don't that they're not a part of. What's the what's the exception? What is it when you're like that thing? I don't know nothing about that, but I it's awesome. Hmm, I'm bioluminescent algae. I'm saying, yeah. You know, you walk into the water and then everything's glowing around you. You're not like 
No, you're like, whoa. I don't understand this and I don't fear it. I love it. So what is that? Bioluminescent algae. Yeah, so I mean, but like, so when something is is, is different and it, it attracts you, it pulls yeah. you in. I mean, that's certainly uh like a guy with a bunch of balloons. <laughs> what? You know, like you know, like at like street fairs and stuff. Yeah. You see the guy carrying like the boardwalk, and he's got like tons of balloons. Like uh-huh. when you're a kid, you're just like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what? There's was, so many balloons, and you're like, yeah. "Can I get one?" Your parents are like, "No, shut up!" But how how is that like this? Because <laughs> it's different. Because <laughs> you're not beautiful. used to seeing so many balloons. You're definitely not used to. Oh. I saw it the other day. I think they were doing it that flavors on the avenue thing. I was like, "Look at all those balloons!" But there's no one looking at a balloon guy saying, "I hate him because I don't understand him. Yeah, I don't well, understand how many balloons I'm seeing. It's different than what I'm used to, and therefore it's monstrous to me." What if he's See a different I mean? ethnicity and you're racist? Well, then that's different. That's the color of his skin, <laughs> right? As opposed but to the, the balloons, balloons offset that. <laughs> All right, well, let's put a pin in this. Let's cut it. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not cut. I want people to hear this. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, take that. Think about it. Have a good day. All right. So similar to Don't Be an Idiom, we play a game to determine who goes first. Although for Doobie Monster, we always play the same game because I've got some monster cards, playing cards. And... Um, we we just pulled out all the suits because there's pictures of monsters on there. Yeah, they didn't put monsters on the numbered cards. Well, but we're gonna play a little monster war. Monster war, just and like regular war, only with monster cards. How do you do that again? You just throw down a card. Yeah, and then whoever has the high card wins. That's it. And then if we get the same card, we play war. Wow, we used every we used every card. But I won. King over queen. I got the Frankenstein. This is monster. That's the first time we've used every card like that. Wow. Alright, so talk to me about your monster, Al. Alright, so right. What you got for us? I thought I would I thought I would start differently, so Okay. Yeah. Don't interrupt me. I won't. Okay. No matter how bad this goes. Okay. And I, I can you bring in some like blustery winter wind i can bring that you know okay. while i do this monologue all right okay, how's that sound good that's nice it sounds yeah. cold it's cold it's supposed to be cold this is the tale of swift runner in the winter of 1878 a plains cree tribe trapper and guide for the local mounted police went to the woods with his family that's his wife and six children No one saw him until he emerged in the spring, alone, and claiming that all of his family died of starvation. Meanwhile, he looked well-fed. When they went back to his camp, they discovered the remains of his family. The skeletons, the meat was picked from their bones, the marrow sucked out. And in one strange case, a shoe stuck in a skull. Even though there was an outpost 25 miles away that he was familiar with, with emergency supplies, he eventually admitted to eating his family, even though there was an outpost 25 miles away with emergency supplies. 
1879, he was executed in Alberta, Canada's first government-sanctioned hanging. But when they killed him, did they also kill a Wendigo? Whoa. So. Wait, is the Wendigo your... Yes. Didn't you do this before? No. Oh. Mm-mm-mm. Interesting. Have not done the Wendigo. Wanted to do the Wendigo because I was inspired. Did you see the Antlers by movie? By the Antlers movie. I haven't seen that yet. Which is that new Guillermo del Toro movie. Uh-huh. Well, it's new-ish. I think it came out last year. Yeah, he produced it, I think. Awesome. Yeah. Right, go see it. Run. Yeah. Hit yeah. pause and run. <laughs> but I want to talk about the Wendigo today. First of all, we got to get a couple of things sorted out. Yeah, because not everyone knows what the Wendigo is. Well, and if you do, you're probably picturing it all wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, the modern depiction of the Wendigo is it has is it's like a it's got like kind of deer like it has like antlers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. No antlers. Okay. Not happening. So this is um this comes from a, an Algonquin legend. Now, the thing about the Algonquins is that like they're actually a bunch of tribes that were all over in the let's see, they were in the Minnesota's North Woods, the Atlantic coast of the US and Canada and the Great Lakes area. Okay. So, that was made up of tribes like the Ojibwe, the Cree, the Naskapi, the Saltu, the and the Inuit mm-hmm. and and others, right? The other thing that we get wrong is uh, we spell it W E and D I G L. But the most, like whenever the indigenous people wrote about it, it was the most, well, the most popular way was with an I W I Windigo, like, like the wind. That's how right, you can remember right, right. it, you know? But there was actually over 37 different W names alone for this creature. Mm. And they believe that's because there were so many different tribes sure, yeah. that had it. And that's just the W's. Well, it's sort of like how the the um, the uh, like Eskimos have all these different words for snow, right? All of these different indigenous tribes had different words for this like similar creature. Yep. Okay. They had the Witigo, uh, the Witiko, the Witigo, and then we're gonna stick with from now on. We're gonna be calling it the Windigo. So okay. make sure that, that emphasis on the wind. Okay. Yes. So the thing about the Windigo is there's two popular theories on it. One is that it's a spirit that possesses a human. And the other is that it's like a physical humanoid beast. Hmm. All right. So yes, it could be a spirit, right? But I like focusing on the beast myself. Well, I was going to say there, there is a horror film. There's a Wendigo horror film where it's more of like that, that haunting and you And you've seen thing. that one. It was like yeah. from 2002, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that. interesting story about that. That is a, Apparently, the first time that it was depicted with the with the antlers mm. in uh, like in pop culture. Oh, really? That's the first time. Yeah. Okay. Now, the, the guy that made that film, he, he said he didn't even really uh, Think research about it. <laughs> research yeah. the, the like the origins of the Wendigo until he after kinda, he made the movie. He just kind of went off whatever he thought yeah. he already knew. That's well, insane. Well, there was a book. There was a book with it depicted with antlers before that okay so i think what he basically did was like he took that image and then kind of ran with that yeah okay native american people it's not a great movie 
Well, I actually started watching it today while yeah. I was like hanging out waiting. But that kid with the ears, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And actually, the mom and dad are both in stuff. Yeah, they're both pretty, pretty, pretty popular cast there for, for a pretty low budget looking thing. Sure, uh, I prefer the I prefer it to be a a, a beast though. Like it's its own Me thing, too. and it's a monster in the woods. Me too. So. I want to talk about what it looks like. So it's definitely human. It's more humanoid, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this great description by this guy, Basil Johnson. He's an Ojibwe teacher and scholar in Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. So I thought he would be, he would really know how to describe it. So the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation. It's desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones with its bones pushing out against its skin. It's complexion, the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody. Hmm. Its body was unclean and suffering from separations of the flesh, giving off a strange and eerie odor of decay and composition, Hmm. of death and corruption. So this is like almost like a zombie. It's making me think of the Game of Thrones. Uh, what you call the White Walkers? Yeah, the White Walkers. Yeah, you know what? That does kind of sound like them. Interesting. I definitely thought it was more animalistic. Well, that's nature. the thing. We fucked it up. The, wet, the Western. <laughs> now, and I will say, it's a it's great a, it's a great image. Yeah, it's a great yeah, image. Yeah. Now I did look up what what really kind of spun me back to the Wendigo was there's this Slavic beast called Bess, B-E-S, mm. and that looks like a Wendigo. Mm. And it's like, it's awesome looking, right? Yeah. Or, or it looks like what we think a Wendigo looks like. So then yeah. that kind of got me going back, but it, it really seems like a very similar type sure. of beast. Um, there was a couple little differences depending on the tribe. So the Algonquins, they believe that it had a heart of ice mm. And uh, that it could be up to 50 feet tall. Whoa. Yeah. That's a big old beast. Yeah. And it was believed to be sexless and it would chew its own lips off because it was so hungry. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Well, that explains the bloody lips. Yes. Um, Now, it might look normal if you're getting into the spiritual. Like, you know, like you're you're being inhabited. So it's like, so it's like pass. it, It is humanoid then. Either way, it's humanoid. Yeah. But on the. But it's sexless. Yeah, something right. like so like when it um when it turn when you turn into a windigo it's like your your like genitals just like poof, gone. Yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. Um and now the the whole thing about the spirit one though is that it, it believes that there's like a spiritual imbalance in you. And we're yeah. going to talk more about that because it's there's a lot about all, uh, like living right mm. and the windigo. Mm. So the legend goes like this. Um there is a symbolic association with the Wendigo, and it's it's a couple of things: the in, incarnation of winter, the embodiment of hunger, and the personification of selfishness. And most importantly, its defining characteristic is cannibalism. Hmm. So, yeah, this is why this guy was the, this like character, this guy that you mentioned from the eighteen hundreds, yes. associated with the Wendigo. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So basically, it goes like this. The Wendigo was basically like, you know, a Native American story that was would warn you against certain like taboos. Like mm. the winters were cold and harsh and terrible. And like, you know, you could starve and there was like, you could die of exposure and all that stuff. So there was definitely that thought in the back of your head when you're really hungry, you'd be like, maybe I should eat my wife. <laughs> I mean, Canada is horrible enough in April. I mean, when right. I was up there with, visiting Dave, I mean, like I was like, this is 
still freezing yeah. cold. So yeah. like what's what's January 15th like, you know, here? January 15th also like <laughs> In the, you know, like a, a thousand years ago, right? Right. Like, you don't There's even no have... There's no escape. You don't get... Your TP is like... It's probably not very nice, no, right? No, no, no. Can you say TP? I don't uh, even know. I don't know either. I'm sure you can. Hut. Hut. Your hut is not warm, okay? So, uh, what it was uh, believed is that the Wendigo was created to, one make sure you don't eat people, but also it was a warning to make sure you stuck together, stay with the tribe. Like don't go out on your own and try to fend for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like that's not the way. And also it taught people to share your food and make sure you always prepare your stocks for the winter time. So that way there's stocks are important. That way there's like no, no worry about you eating. Yeah. Because the, the idea is that if you eat human flesh, you can turn into a Wendigo. Right. Which is cool, so, I think. So in a way, is it possible that the Wendigo was used as cautionary tale? A to- thousand percent. Okay. It is definitely the reason it was created. Right. Okay. No doubt. So this is one of those monsters that is born out of fear, mm-hmm. right? And much like Godzilla and the you know, the fear of the like radioactive fallout mm-hmm. and stuff like that, so yeah. they create a monster. Right. Like this. Cannibalism creates makes you a monster yes yeah so don't do it yeah. even if you're super hungry yeah but also it's like you gotta also remember like the the native people were also very like tight-knit like it wasn't like you're not supposed to be like out all, like it's like stay with the tribe yeah you know it's good here yeah, in the community. tribe you know <laughs> so the thing about the wendigo is i'm gonna give you some some of the details about it. it's like it's always starving and even as it eats, it just gets hungrier and hungrier. Mm. And a lot of the tribes believe that the more it eats, the bigger it gets. So it's like, that's where we get like these super tall ones. Some say it's as tall as the treetops and things like that. It's quick and nimble. It can move through the snow really easily, or it can move through the treetops. And then you got to figure people that are out trudging through the snow, they're going to be slow anyway. So Mm -hmm. then this guy's super quick. It will sometimes stalk victims for weeks. It's like a really opportunistic hunter. And again, it's all about, it's not going to run into, you know, into the, the, the heart of the tribe and like try to steal somebody. It's, it gets the people that wander away. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, can, it can create sudden snowstorms and it's almost impossible to kill or escape from. The only thing that I found about possibly defeating it is to burn the ice heart. And then even if you burn out that ice heart, you have to bury it in a silver box so that it doesn't come back together. Wow. Okay. So that's, there's a process here. Oh yeah. I'm really thinking George R. R. Martin borrowed this, this Wendigo myth for the White Walkers. There are a lot yeah, of parallels it is, here. Yeah, it's funny that you said Especially that. Especially like yeah. that, that like it, how it can, can create snowstorms yeah. and it, like it brings it with yeah, them. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even, yeah, you're totally right. Um, and then there's this other thing about how it doesn't even have to use like like blunt force. Like it doesn't have to break down your door. It can unlock your door. So mm. it just like it's quick. It's like silent quickness. It's like it's getting you. Yeah, basically, right. which yeah. is horrifying. And one of its biggest tricks is that it, it can mimic the sounds of humans to lure victims out. Don't like that, right? Especially if you're already like you know alone, hungry, tired, maybe yeah. like not in the best frame of mind. You know, you might hear some 
young lass whistling in the oh. forest. You're gonna go. You're gonna go and see what's going on. You know, try to warm up. You know. <laughs> and then you're like, ah, ah I'm, I'm gonna go for it anyway. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm going for it. <laughs> At that state of mind, like what you know, it's like hot as cold. You know? I'm gonna kiss those bloody lips. Yeah, totally. Um, so I already said that you can become a Wendigo if you if you eat human flesh, but there's a couple other ways. Uh, if you dream of a Wendigo, you might become a Wendigo. That's now, annoying. Which is annoying. But think about this. They're telling all these stories about like, beware the Wendigo, beware the Wendigo. And you're like, it's planting I'm, the seeds into your subconscious. It's probably nighttime. It's like right before you go to bed, you're yeah. like, shit. You know, like, <laughs> Thanks a lot, probably grandma. Probably some scared little kids. Like, oh, great. I'm going to turn into Wendigo. Um, and you can also be turned by a Wendigo in rare cases, kind of like the vampire. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's on purpose or what, but... Really? But so it just like, can do... So, so like if he do, if he there doesn't, can be multiple wind, he, Wendigos then. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, oh dude, there's Wendigos. Oh, like, okay, yeah. yeah, there's not just one. Right. Um, and the crazy thing about the Wendigo is it actually worked its way into modern medicine because there is something known as, or at least was something known as the Wendigo psychosis, which was like... Um, there was this there and it's a highly debated by the way like the, not everybody agrees that this is a thing because one it only happened with like the native the native tribes right mm, like it yeah. only took place with them but like there was this thing in the 1960s where they did like a medical like journal about how there's like 70 cases of these people that believed that, that they, they were that they were windigos yeah yeah so in this more kind of medical version of of becoming a windigo it was it, it often was brought on by isolation uh-huh. and starvation but what would happen is you would eventually become cannibalistic but also have a fe- no yeah yeah you would have a fear of becoming a windigo right so what would happen at first was you would like not eat and you would like vomit a lot and like it was just like food was a problem right but then all of a sudden you believed you came you became one and it was like whoa and it became like a real psychosis allegedly highly debated and that is what we, we believe might have happened to our guy at the top of the story mm. um uh, that he might have believed that he became a wendigo oh yeah and wait, what was his nationality? The guy was he just oh, a Canadian he was, Caucasian? Uh, he or? was uh, Cree. Oh, he was yeah, Cree. He was, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it was embedded in his own personal exactly. culture and identity. Yeah. That like this, this was didn't a happen thing. to white people. Yeah. yeah. Now here's the other thing. They said that this this psycho this like disorder it essentially evaporated after the native people became more and more westernized. Like right. the more that they got like used to like our way of living this like fell off right well i mean that's like with all pagan religions you know mm-hmm. like uh, that, that like forcing christianity on cultures and like eradicating the beliefs of all of you know uh of like of mythological beings and yeah just think if we didn't come ruin everything there's gonna be windigos running all over the place eating people that'd be awesome it'd be so awesome and that's like basically the premise of american gods right yes oh oh yeah because the god like they're they're because they're brought over from there where like people believe them. Right. Yeah. And but then, then, but, but then, then they start we, losing power. Right. Because yeah. co- the cultures change. And so what you're saying is we got to go to Ontario and we got to start eating people mm, and then they're going to believe in the Wendigo again. That's what I mean. Yeah. Uh huh. I like it. You could be the first new Wendigo. Dude, that would be awesome. And we can start the Wendigo basketball team. Cause we'll be <laughs> so tall. 
<laughs> That's a good idea. Um, all right, so check this out. All the way back in 1661, there's this Jesuit relations document because this is like when white priests were coming in, like, the, like talking mm-hmm. to like the natives about like ruining everything. what's going, ruining yeah. everything. But there was this account where this priest writes this uh, about they were supposed to meet some guides that essentially like fell under this Wendigo psychosis, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, this makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men like veritable werewolves mm. and devour them voraciously without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey. And the more greedily, the more they eat. So this shit's been written down like, oh, and by the way, they had to go kill those people because they believe they turned into Wendigos. It was like the only option they had or something. Oh yeah. yeah. Cause there's, so there was like this, um, there was some shamans and stuff that, mm-hmm. that there was like a Wendigo quote unquote kind of cure, which mm-hmm. I never really got any real details about what that was. It seems I, like they'd keep that under wraps. Secret, right? So that, yeah. They can't tell everyone that. No. But also, um, there was also like a Wendigo dance that they had too. That was like, it was actually to remind people of Wendigo still out there. Let's do the dance, <laughs> yeah. you know? But, um, essentially like, if the cure didn't work, they just killed, they had to kill them. Right. And that brings us to our next character, a guy named Jack Fiddler. And his, his native name was he who stands in the Southern sky. He was an OG Cree chief and a medicine man who boasted of defeating 14 Wendigos. And when was this? What year was this about? Um, well, I can tell you when he was arrested. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that it. would be 1907. Okay. So it. this dude essentially, like, his people, like, they were all cool with this, but he would try the ceremony to, you know, get out of here, Wendigo. Yeah. But, like, ultimately, when people thought that their family members were definitely making a turn for the worse, they'd be like, you got to come kill this dude. And he would. And that was their, that was, like, their tribal law, and it was all good. But then, you know, the Canadians had to be like, like well... Uh, this doesn't... Uh, we can't, like, let you do this. Sorry, we have to arrest you. Yeah. And that, so that was 1907. They arrested him. He escaped just to commit suicide. Oh, Maybe he was a Wendigo himself. He's like, right. I gotta, now I gotta. Yeah, maybe he's gotta eat himself. Right, I gotta eat myself. Yeah. And his brother was also arrested and he was pardoned, but somehow he died. He died three days after he was pardoned in jail because they didn't tell him he was pardoned yet, which is kind of crazy. Bullshit. Like, you think he'd be the first to know, fucking, hey, you're pardoned. Fucking justice system. I know, right? Crock of shit. All right, so. Love the Wendigo. Uh, he's worked his way into pop culture a lot. Didn't even realize this as I was watching it. Hannibal, that that dark figure yeah. with the thing. I wasn't even putting it together. That that's the Wendigo, and it makes so much more sense because he's a fucking he's a cannibal, cannibal yeah, right? right? Yeah. So perfect. Um, Pet Cemetery. Now I never read the book Pet Cemetery, and I only saw the original movie. Mm-hmm. But apparently, in the book and in the newer, like the two thousands yeah. version. The spirits of the dead are, they're revived by the Wendigo. And that's why they want to eat fucking people. That's cool. I did yeah, not realize dude. that. Yeah, like, awesome. Yeah, very, is that but why you were rewatching Pet Cemetery? No, no, oh, that's the thing. Like, I just, and in, in my movie, like, you know, in the original movie, there isn't Wendigo. Like, uh, like, they're not, nobody's pointing to the Wendigo, but apparently the book and the newer movie. Yeah. 
So that's I, I watched awesome. the newer one. I don't remember that, but well, that's funny a, that you say that because I saw like this. They they sh- they showed this frame and it's like forest, right? Mm-hmm. And then they had to put a, like a circle around it in the woods and lighten it just to show the outline of this like you know it looks when like a skull and like yeah. the, the horns and stuff like that. Oh, cool! But I love it. Yeah, very cool. It also showed up in My Little Pony, and <laughs> the it, newer My Little Pony. Though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But check this out. In the 70s, the Wendigo was uh, a character that was like a Native American dude that had to resort to cannibalism like this one time. And then he turned into this beast. But instead of it being like a super gaunt, like fucking skeleton, thing, it's this huge, like Yeti type looking thing. And he was like, he was like an, like a. The antagonist of the Hulk, him and the Hulk were oh, fighting. This, you're talking about Marvel. This is like a Marvel character. Marvel comic. Oh, I don't a comic. I, oh, okay, cool. But if he's fighting the Hulk, that's an antagonist. But, yeah, protagonist. I don't antagonist. Know. Antagonist. Hulk's probably the protagonist. Exactly. Okay. So he's fighting with the Hulk for a while, and guess who shows up for the first time ever to defeat the Wendigo? Who? Fucking Wolverine. Whoa. And he, that's his, perfect because he's Canadian. His yes. Dude, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> and it's funny because he looks funny in that first one. Like yeah. he's got like kind of a weird like helmet. Like the, he's not. He's, he's not, not what we, fully badass. Yeah, yet. yeah, he gets there. But he was able to take out the Wendigo. That's great. Can't help but bring up the fact that this Jesuit priest talks about the werewolf when he's mm-hmm. describing the Wendigo, right? Mm-hmm. So like that mixing of our cultures monsters, of the West, right? oh, yeah, of like the Europe and and Canada, mm-hmm. and Native Canada. Yeah, and then also Ryan and I have been noticing lately, like this last year, that there's a lot more Wendigo-looking Jersey Devil shit. Right, that's that's really cropping up a lot. At that diner. Um, what's that diner we went to? Lu- this Lucy's? Lucy's, or? right? Out in, out in the Pine Barrens is this diner, and they have this great statue of the Jersey Devil, but it has, a, it has like the deer skull with the antlers. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I know the Jersey Devil has antlers usually, some to some degree, but like that, deer skull looking thing yeah. and i just feel like it's a mixing of all of our monsters yeah i really do like the 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 i don't know how to i don't know how to describe it but like the the folk horror characteristics of the jersey devil like the more animalistic they make it mm-hmm. you know by like in, incorporating like wendigo characteristics like that's really I really like the vibe that it puts off and the the imagery in general. I love the vibe, but yeah. it really does make me think that a lot of our monsters are bleeding together mm-hmm. now and it makes for cooler looking monsters, but then you got to kind of hack away at some of that stuff uh-huh. to see what they really look like, right. you know? What's uh, yeah. What's the original Wendigo look like? And now I, Humanoid. I, yeah, I have a much better no antlers. Don't even talk to me about antlers. Yeah. I'd like to see them, but listen, I, we're would, going OG. I would like to see them. Um, a, a couple things just to leave you on here is that if you, if you need some hot spots where you want to get some Wendigo action, mm-hmm. um, there's this, uh, <laughs> sounds very sexual. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, all right. Mamiguis Lake. Oh my God. Mamiguis Lake in Ontario, Canada. It is known as the cave of the Wendigo where there's cave paintings that they believe are depicted of like the Wendigo. Yeah. From like really, really long time ago. Who knows? We got to go see that. We got to go there. It's in a lake. (laughs) It's a cave in a lake. Like that. And then Ryan, if we miss this, I'm going to shoot myself. We're going to miss it. Um, At Bush Gardens in, no, dude, Bush Gardens. 
they had this attraction called the Wendigo Woods. Apparently, Bush Gardens does this thing called Hollow Scream. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I knew that. I watched someone do so. The, the Wendigo Woods came out in two, 2014, and they have this fucking like jacked up like. It really looks sort of like more like a minotaur almost. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, it's like this lab. It's like supposed to be this like crazy lab where they have the, they have the Wendigo like locked up and stuff like that. But anyway, someone did this like YouTube walkthrough video. Yeah. It looks awesome. Whoa. Okay. Now I checked it out and like they, Hollow Scream came back for the first time because of the pandemic in 2021. And I was looking at the attractions and Wendigo Woods wasn't on there. But in 2022, whether it's there or not, we have to go. Because, dude, <laughs> even, like, even if it's not there, we're going to go. There's all sorts of other stuff. Oh, like, okay, they have, right. like they have like Jack the Ripper's bar, and like, cool. And like, there's like these guys, I think they look kind of like, what's it called? The Thunder Down Under, but it's only like, but it's like Jack the Ripper. They look like, nice. I think they're like stripping and also like giving For- us drinks. For our non-American <laughs> listeners, Bush Gardens is a theme park on the East Coast, and uh, it's like it's it's great. It's actually my favorite theme park. I, we used I don't to go know there if as I've a kid a lot. Uh, we would go there all the time when I was growing up. It's better than Disney because it, it doesn't. It's not like beholden to Disney bullshit. Yeah, it's just a theme park with like cool roller coasters and stuff. It's more rickety. More, a little bit more rickety. <laughs> But all I know is the hollow scream looks awesome. And last year there was like 10 attractions. All right, let's go. So no matter what we're going and we have to see what they did with that old Wendigo if they're not using it. Maybe we can get them to um, sponsor. Don't be an idiom. Yes. Sponsored by Bush Gardens. Hollow scream. That's right. What is it called? Howl. Yeah. Howl. O scream. Howl. O scream. It's funny how they used both parts of Halloween and like used, like you'd only really need to change. Well, you could do hollow scream or Halloween. Right. Yeah. Hollow scream. Right. It's a completely new word. I, they're going for it. Let's get it tattooed. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's everything about the Wendigo. I love the Wendigo. I yeah. want to be a Wendigo. I think we have an ending now for right. Our sections. And that that's, The monster of the year. How do we do it? I don't know. I think you say, and oh. that's the Wendigo. And but, but sell it real big. All right. And that's the Wendigo. Nice. All right. We'll be right back after this musical interlude. Welcome back to Doobie and Monster. You just heard all about the Wendigo. How's it going, people? It's going good. I ate a little bit of Ryan's thigh. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'm just a Wendigo now. Dude, I don't know. My voice My voice feels... I feel like I'm destroying my voice. It, I feel like it gets lower and lower every episode. That's cool. Like, it's not cool. Yes, it is. You it, want a nice low voice in I, your... It's later sound, it, years to me it sounds like it's like breaking or something it's like just low and cracky See, that's funny because mine just keeps getting higher and shriller <laughs> and then also breaking shriller mm-hmm. well yeah i guess i don't want a shriller voice yeah one of us has the shrill voice <laughs> well that could be a good thing 
Yeah, if we need to break a window without a hammer. <laughs> right. In the rare occasion that we need to do that, could use anything else. Yeah. Or your voice. Or your voice. It's fun, though. All right. So uh, today, I'm going to be talking about the hobbyaz. Ooh, never heard of the hobbyaz. All right. So before I tell you anything, this is similar, a little similar to what you did. I'm going to tell you uh, a folktale. Hey, look at us. <laughs> All right. So it's more like a nursery rhyme almost. Okay. So uh, there was a, an old man, an old woman, and a little girl who all lived in a house made of hemp stalks. Can I just stop you real quick? Yeah. I love it already. <laughs> Good. I love it. Um, What's a hemp stock? You know, oh, had, like weed? Y- yeah. Like, okay, cool. I, I had to look that up. I was like, hemp stock. And um, it was weird. Yeah. Like, it's. I guess it's just Some like- Some sort of wheat or barley or- But like- <laughs> Rope. Everything- Associated with hemp stalks has to do with weed, though, like marijuana. Yeah. So, but they use it for other stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. So they're living in weed. I love it. Okay. So they have a house made of hemp stalks, and they also have a little dog named Turpy. Hmm. Now, at night, the Habias come out of the woods and they approach the house, and they say they have this thing they say every night: Habia, Habia, Habia. Tear down the hemp stalks, eat up the old man and woman, Jeez. and carry off the little girl. Oh, it seems a little fairy-esque. It does seem they fairy-esque. They love those little kids. Babies, Do- especially. Yeah, it is fairy-esque. And so they're saying this as they're creeping towards the house, but Turpy the dog hears them or sees them and starts barking its head off. It goes crazy. Yeah. Now, the old man doesn't know what Turpy's barking off, barking at, and so he says... I cannot get a single moment's sleep with that dog barking. Oh, no. Tomorrow, I'm going to cut off its tail. And so the next day... Will that, will that stop <laughs> it from barking? The next day, he cuts off Turpy's tail. Night comes again. Habia, habia, habia. Tear down the hemp stalks. Eat up the old man and woman. Carry off the little girl. Jesus. Turpy sees him, sees him again. Starts barking. They run away because they fear dogs. Again, the old man is like, that Turpy, I cannot sleep. I'm going to cut off one of his legs in the morning. Oh. This happens several more nights in a row until he cuts off all of Turpy's legs. Okay. And his tail. And then the and final And he doesn't night, bleed out. No, nah, I guess he's, you he know. Must be cauterizing the wound. You know, fairy tales take a lot of liberties <clears throat> with. You know, they do <laughs> biology. Another thing I got to say before this goes down is that these kind of stories, mm-hmm. the creeping at night and saying stuff, right? It reminds me of the scary stories in the dark when that guy, when the kid steals that toe from the graveyard. I cannot tell you how afraid I was as a kid imagining the thing down under my street lamp being like, Where's my toe? Like, that is the mo- probably the most haunting that scary stories to tell in the dark tale. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's like kind of like a joke, it's like about a toe. It's like it's not funny. It's the, the coming and the announcing. Yeah. Like the no- the hearing of it. No. And there's also nothing you can do. That's because the they thing. ate it's the toe. The knowingness. Yeah. Of it, like you can hide. You you can't hide. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, then uh, the, 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 one of the last nights, 
you know, the same thing happens. Terpy's barking, and then the uh, what? I said, well, he's just rolling around with no. He's just uh, he's like a stump. He's, he's just like a, a head and a body, just yeah, barking. Yeah. And he again, he keeps up the old man, and the old man finally cuts off Terpy's head. Okay, okay. that's got to stop it, right? So that's the end. And so you see where this is going. Yeah. The Habias approach the house. They discover that Terpy is no longer there to bark. They tear down the hempstock house. They eat the old man. They eat the old woman. And they carry off the little girl in a bag back to where the Habias live. Yeah. And so the ground, I bet. Yeah. Where do you think they live? Underground. underground. Yeah. Because again, I was thinking inside a really, like, really huge hollow tree. That leads underground. That leads See, underground. That's the thing. Kind of like the troll in Ernest Scared Stupid. Ex- kind of like a lot of like it. <laughs> Got a lot of like, <laughs> like that. <laughs> kind of like a lot of like it. Dude, you know, I always used to think as a kid, like, if I could just get that tree, mm-hmm. it would change everything. Yeah, everything would be different. You know, like, our lives would be so different. We don't, even without all the trolls and all this stuff, but like, what a tree. That was a great tree. So, uh, yeah, so just imagine the tree from Ernest Scared Stupid and the Habias are in there and they hang up the girl in the bag and they do this creepy thing where they knock her on top of the head. Well, they knock the top of the bag and they say this, look me, look me, look me. Nope. Look me. I I don't want to look me. Isn't that? That's horrifying. It's horrifying, right? I'm going to talk more about that when I when I start giving you some Look context me. for it. Um, and then they fall asleep. All right, they sleep during the day, and uh, the girl is still in the bag and she's crying and screaming. And all of a sudden, a man walks by with uh, this big old dog, and he, you know, he goes to the, he finds her in this bag and he asks her what happened, and she says, you know, she tells the whole story, and he, you know. Gets her out of the bag and the dog jumps in the bag. Okay. And he's like, he's like, all right, pup, you stay there. You know, catch these. <laughs> I get, don't get, need you get, anymore. <laughs> I'll catch these Habias. So well, that night the Habias wake up and they, um, you know, they start knocking the top of the bag and they're saying, look me, look me, look me. Yeah. And then when they open up the, the bag, they expect the girl to be there. But the dog is there. And then it jumps out. It eats all the habias. Yeah. And as the tale goes, there are no more habias. That's it. That's it. Which I don't buy. Yeah, I was going to say. I don't buy that for a second. No, because what's the point in the story if there's not a like a, an element of fear the lingering behind fear. to scare children? Well, I, this is what I think. If a child was was to hear this story, it doesn't matter that the dog ate all the habias. Still scary. It's still scary, right? So anyway, I, I had never heard of no. a habia. And by the way, it's spelled H-O-B-Y-A-H. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I I watched a bunch of different things to determine that it's that it's pronounced yeah. habia. But um, because I would just thought, I thought it was habia. Um, anyway, in your mind, what do they look like? Little trolls, little little trolls. I'm thinking little. Um, like got a lot of teeth. I'm mm-hmm. thinking. And and yeah, I you know it was very troll like like little leather. They were in little leather outfits and stuff. You know, like, very trolly then. Yeah, I was thinking trolly. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There, there's no description of them, so I really I like that. It leaves a lot to the imagination. A lot to the imagination. I was imagining like gremlin gremlin type of creatures. Mm-hmm. Not less human, 
um, more yeah, mine monstrous. Yeah, wearing clothes. I don't know why. So that's a little trolly. So um, I want to... Oh, what should I do first? Okay. We're going to send it out to the community. Draw us a hobby ass. <laughs> what do you think? So, yeah. So everyone has that in their mind. I have some pictures here. The very first illustration ever of a hobby looks like this. <laughs> which is a it's, a, it's actually a cute little froggy creature. Cute. Yeah. That has sort of these black cloaks on. And there are some, some books from the eighties that make them Whoa. up to be. They look mu- like fraggles almost. Almost like fraggle rock monsters. That's inspired by the original ones. Oh, they look like newts or something. Now this is kind of more like what you were thinking. So there yeah, are, that's weird. there are also depictions of them where they look little, like the little s- humans in a way. Striped stockings. And then that actually looks, see that one on the left there? Yeah. I was thinking more of a simple, like a simple kind of face, big mouth. That is the closest to what yeah. I was thinking. And this is like a clothes on. This is like a contemporary, like an artist did it on like deviantart.com That's or rad. something. Yeah. And this is another one from a different book. So the point Ooh. being that there are a lot of different um, interpretations. Interpretations. No description. Because right? there's no description in the original text. So I'm going to tell you about where this came from so i've been working my way through this box set of folk horror movies Mm -hmm. um severin films put out this amazing box set there's like 19 different folk horror movies in there from different countries different time periods and didn't we watch one the uh, we watched the tilbury Tilbury one one. that's right wow gotta see that so the cool thing is that yeah i had already decided to do the tilbury on our monster episode and then um, after I did the episode, we found that it was included in this full car collection and, and Albert and I watched it. So um, for this time around, I watched this Australian movie from 1989 called Celia. And this is where I discovered the Habia. Um, the basic premise of the movie, it takes place in 1957. And it's all from the perspective of this young girl. Her It opens up with her grandma dying. And uh, then it like cuts to her in school and the teacher is reading the Habia's fairy tale to the class. <laughs> and throughout the movie, she, ima- she imagines that the Habia's are coming after her. She keeps on having a nightmare that this hand is coming through her window and it's slimy and bluish green and it's a Habia oh, hand. Yeah. And, um, and really like... You know the movie's messed up, and it's it's a really it's actually a great film. Um, but it basically has her sort of dealing with the her trauma in life through the Habias. I'm not going to tell you how it ends, but it's it's a grim sort of you know unfolding of the tale. So anyway, I was like, interesting. I was like, I bet this is real. The way that this the way that they're presenting it to the students makes it seem like Australians would be familiar with the story. And oh. So. So I looked it up, and it's it is a uh, it's, it's another a, Australian monster, right? Right. You yeah. did. I did the, the um the monster from Australia, which was <laughs> we just talked about it. I forget. <clears throat> Jesus Christ! Call in if you know. Yeah, what was that called? I forget. Um, right. So I, I didn't realize that it would it would you know I should have assumed, but it's actually. N- not necessarily Australian, and I'll tell you. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you what the deal is here. So the first written source appears to be around 1891, and an American, this guy uh, S. V. Proudfit was his name. This guy from Washington D.C. He submitted this to the American Folklore Journal, 
Okay. And he said that this is a story that he heard from a Scotch family he knew, this family from Perth. And as a child, he would hear this family, the Scottish family, tell this this story. Uh-huh. And so he is the, basically, he is the first source for the movie. Fuck. Uh, story. First source for the story. From Washington, D.C.? And he was from Washington, D.C. Huh. But he heard it from a Scottish family. Now That lived in Australia. Well, no, no, no. Okay. That's just, this Australian movie is, is where okay. I saw it. So, yeah, and there, there's even a subtitle in the, the original story, The Habyaz, A Scotch Tale. And this guy, Proudfit, he's the one who wrote it down first, but he heard it orally from a Scottish family. No one family. else took credit for it? No. And so it gets well, a little... Were those books earlier than that, though? No, so I'll tell you about those books. What? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Dude, so could you imagine like somebody telling you a story and being like, I'm just going to write it down, like whatever. It's probably been told a million times and then like... Boom, Dude. like you're the first guy that wrote it and your name is Proud Fit. <laughs> Are you right. Proud Fit? I mean, dude, I looked in, um, you know, because I have like access to all of my school's libraries databases. Like mm, I researched, I looked data. in all of those. I looked on like different um, universities, archives. Like I could not, then they all led to this 1891 journal. Still pretty old. It's pretty old, but it's not that old. And not it does old. feel like a, it feels like an old fairy tale, doesn't yes. it? So anyway, the, he Must said that in oral history, he said it was from Perth, um, which is in Scotland, but there's also a Perth in Australia. Yeah, so, oh, that's why I said, yeah. Cause I thought you meant. Yeah. yeah. So the, so this kind of also is a little, is a little weird. Cause you think maybe the filmmakers were like, eh, it's from Perth. We better, you know, make it for the Aussies. Well, this is how it entered the Australian kind of culture and before I, I say that i do want to say that i'm uh proud fit in this journal he kind of did a little introduction for it first and he just wrote about you know how he he first heard it he also said this the effectiveness of the story lies in a certain sepulchral monotone in rendering the cry of the habia and his terrible look me so he, re- creepy. he says you got to say it in a sepulchral monotone way so mm-hmm. like Look me, look me. Like, I love that. Look me. It's such a weird thing to say. I'm glad you also found it creepy. It's very creepy. It's like Gollum. Yeah, yeah. In the the cartoon version. In the cartoon version. So this um, story was picked up by Joseph Jacobs, who was a very famous English folklorist. And he is responsible for a lot of the popular fairy tales that we know today. And he's like, I gotta have the Javias, (laughs) right? Yeah, he said that. He he cites Proudfit as his source. He he read it there, and he's like, "I gotta include this in my next book. I love it." Yeah, Proudfit, I yeah, love there's it. There's my source. It's real yeah, small yeah. at the bottom of it. <laughs> but um, Jack and the Beanstalk, Goldilocks, the Three Little Pigs, Jack the Giant Killer, Tom Thumb. He's responsible for all of our um, like the the versions we know of those stories. Yeah, he put those down into like uh, you like publish them. Um, like the versions that we like, kind of like most the Grimm's guys. They didn't write this shit. They just they he, picked it all up. He considered himself like a contemporary Grimm. Yeah, like a collector of stuff. By the way, Jack and the Beanstalk and Jack the Giant Slayer aren't are they? They're not the same thing. Jack the Giant Killer, Jack and the Beanstalk. Like, didn't he oh, go yeah. up there and kill the giant? Well, maybe there were two different stories. Maybe he's about milking. Jack. He's getting double pay out of that one. That's a double dip. <laughs> That's a big double dip, dude. Could you imagine if you were the 
if you're like a grim-esque collector of stories, you can double dip. You can yeah. triple dip. Like You, you can, can do whatever dip. you want. Yeah. The grand monstrous trip dip. Ah, what a life. They should, they should, Doritos should make some sort of companion <laughs> sauce for their companion next sauce concoction. That's great. Um, sorry, I meant to say Joseph sorry. Jacobs was an Australian folklorist, but he was of an English background. So, like, his parents were English, but he was born in Australia. He's double dipping again. And then he went back to England. <laughs> so, there's this kind of like Australian English um, mix here. Anyway, he included the Habyas in. This um, more what's called more English fairy tales in 1893, so a okay. couple of years after um, Proudfit. And what did he say? Oh yeah, so he had um, the same guy illustrate all of his fairy tales, and so it was this guy um, by the last name of Batten. And Those he's, are wacky, dude. He he's done some really cool fan fantasy art though, like really awesome. Very I mean, listen, descriptive ones. Even though those are a little cartoony they and are, kind of yeah. fun, if they're coming at you, and they're going to eat matter you. how fun they look. Like right. that's almost scarier. Right, that they're like, smiling and they're going to eat you. Yeah, that'd be like getting eaten by gritty. You know, like, he's, <laughs> right. like his eyes are rolling around, but that's yeah, it's still scary if he's eating you. He's a little bit like that crazy gremlin um, from Gremlins too. The eyes that are always going mm-hmm. like this. All right, so. Um, we, we were trying to get to the point where, like, why is this popular with Australians? Well, most Australians that went to primary school in the 50s would be familiar with the Habia's story because it was included in these, what were called the Victorian readers, which were just these textbooks that were made in the 20s that were used for like 30 more years after they were made. And so if you go on, like, I was shelf life online, I would find, you know, like some information and then I'd see comments from from like um like boomer age Australians saying like this haunted me as a child the habias and so I had my sister ask um Sean from Australia oh right yeah I, I said can you ask him for me if he recognizes the habias if that's a story that he remembers and she said it sounded he said it sounded familiar but um he he didn't really know it so I'm thinking that <laughs> that it stopped it stopped being taught maybe like in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, right. He's probably like, yeah, no, I don't really know. Hangs up and turns white as a sheet. And he's like curled up in the corner. And he's like, no, look, no, don't look me. No, look me. Don't look me. Don't look you. And uh, I also asked two of my Scottish friends, uh, Dave and Jules. I was like, do you know the story of the Habyas? And they didn't. And so it's like, I where's the pride? Well, I just don't think that it's just interesting. I'm not sure where it comes from. Seems like no one's really sure where it's it, coming no from. No one's really sure where, it's, where it comes from. But it became popular in Australia because it was included in these textbooks that were taught in primary schools. And I really do wonder if it's because there's a Perth in the two in, in, in Scotland Australia and a Perth in Australia. Scotland. And then they're like, Perth, oh we gotta we gotta we gotta beef up our knowledge here, pump it out to the kids. Right. I also feel like Proudfit maybe just like He's like, oh, you're from Perth? That's in Scotland. But it's like, no, we're from Perth. That's in Australia. Like, right, he just yeah. like Could got just it wrong like, or something. Totally got it wrong. You know, and like the other thing is like, what if that, what was he like hanging out with this family, living with this family? Either way. Or what the if, neighbors. Whatever it is, what if this is just some wackadoo that like made up a story and it's not old? What if it's only like a week older than when he met? Maybe he looked at that guy and he's like, I'm going to make up a, I'm going to fuck with this guy. Yeah. 
And like you create this thing that ends up seeming older than it is. Yeah. Like how weird is that? Yeah. I mean like. It's like a meme or some shit. Right. Like you invented it. (laughs) Um, So in the Australian versions, um, usually the little girl is taken out of the story. It's just the old man and the old woman. Yeah. What happens to the girl and the guy? And does the dog come back and like puke up all the. (laughs) I think the dog's fine because it ends with the dog eating the hobbyas and then, you know. But the but like, old man, guess, like, the the old man and the lives, old woman are dead. They're dead, dead. yeah. And, and in the original, Terpy is dead. Terpy's um, dead, yeah, But obviously. in newer versions, um, you know, like one change that happened is that the dog, instead of the name Terpy, was named Dingo. And that could have been to appeal to Australians more, right? Um, in some versions, the old man puts the dog back together. Love that. Right? And so, like, you know, it's not, it, it doesn't feel so violent and messed up. But then does he still get eaten? Um, no, how does he put it back together? Yeah. Do they, in the other versions, the old woman is just taken away. Okay. Like the hemstock house is destroyed. The old woman's taken away and he puts, he puts Turpy back together. Cause he realizes that Turpy was trying to protect them the whole so, time. And she's just gone. She's gone. And then, and then they get her out of the bag and you know, the dog eats the, the hobby eyes. Oh, the woman is in the bag. Yeah. The woman's in the bag. Oh, interesting. It's a they much never- better story with the little girl. Well, that's the thing. And the old man, again, the, old woman the Grimm's again. Fa- like all this, like the fairy tales used to be super brutal, you know, like, yeah. you know, like Cinderella's sisters all got their eyes pecked out and all that shit in the old ones. Right. And, like, we leave that out. Right, right. All the good stuff. Cut off their heels and toes and all that. It would be very scary as a child to hear that the story, though. Well, I do feel like, you know, <clears throat> this whole idea with like the kids' fairy tales like softening over, over time, mm-hmm. right? It's like. No, dude, like the whole point is you're supposed to scare him into being good. Yeah. Although it doesn't seem like the girl in this story was doing anything bad. <laughs> no, right. So here um, in the film, um, there's a book. I don't know if it was a real book or not, but there were some drawings that the teacher's using. And so this is the this is the old man with the Turpy in pieces. Like, oh, weird. And Looks this is almost like a piece of wood. And this is what the Habias looked like in... The movie, they look like these blue, blue and their butts kind are of out. goblins. Yeah, they don't have any clothes. It's really hard to see, but you you see them kind of reenacted in real life. It does look like the tree area from yeah, lots of fog and very dark. All right, so um, I'm kind of near in the end here. Um, no. <laughs> so if you're interested, there are a couple of um, there's like a, a a children's book from the 80s. Uh, by Brenda Parks. There's a book from the early 90s by Robert Sansucci. And um, also, in the late 80s, I guess Kellogg's in Britain had something called the Magic Mirror Competition. And it was a way to find new um, animators and artists. And and basically, like, you would be... Like, the, the competition was to, like, uh, make a fairy tale, like, come to life through animation. For cereal? And- I think Kellogg, it looks, seems like Kellogg's cereal like okay. was running this, but in Britain. And so there's an episode, you can watch it on YouTube and it's, um, and, uh, yeah. And it's, and they're really like, they have really pointy noses and pointy feet and, um, and they're like, they're like black and really skinny and they're cool. super creepy. And in this, the little girl's taken out. It's just the old man and the old woman, but. Look up Kellogg's Magic Mirror competition, the Habias, and uh, and it's it's great, and um, yeah, and they say say look you look you instead of look me. They shouldn't have changed that. 
Look me seems sacred to me. You know, I really wonder what the message of it all is, right? Because, you know, they're saying, look me, right? Yeah. Like, they want her to look at them? Is that what we're thinking? Or, or I don't, is it me? I want to look at you. And they're knocking her on the head. And here's the other thing. Do they, like, why do they wait until day two to open the bag yeah. to see the dog in there and it eats them? There's a lot that I'm thinking about with this. I mean, I would love to like know what the like the real roots of it all is is, is about. Yeah, and I, I've also been thinking about you know what do the habias represent here? And actually, the thesis just kind of coincidentally like the monster dwells the dwells at the gates of difference. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about like the habias being you know represented by like um, like in, indigenous peoples, yeah. like in Australia. If this was an Australian story. Uh, Australians, like, you know, a Caucasian Australians from, from Britain or whatever, they would have looked at the, you know, the Aborigine people as savages, the same way that, yeah. uh, that, uh, Americans looked at Native Americans as savages. Oh, so okay. that fear of like them coming out of the woods, right? right. And like taking our girl away from us. Sure. Like eating us as like, as cannibals, you know, Absolutely. like, and, and so like kind of putting that that like fear of, of otherness onto the Habias. And like for the yes. Scots, like you could even look at that, like the English as being the Habias, right? They were constantly under threat of the English, you know, um, you know, taking their land, taking, taking their men away, uh, yes. taking their women by force. And so I just kind of trying to imagine, cause we have like an American who published it first who got it from a Scottish family. It was popular in Australia. Hmm. And so there's all these different ways that we can kind of um, look at the hobbies and what they represent in those different cultures. I've just been kind of like thinking about what it all means. It's wild to think that it can't be pinned down. Like, And also there's and that broken English of look me. Like, what, is it look at me? Or let me look? Or what is it? You know what I mean? So there's right. also that broken English that I think contributes to that as well. Yeah, like... Also, because, like, if it represents the other, right, mm -hmm. you know, and then, like, what if just, like, just, you're just, like, fascinated, you just want to, like, stare at this other thing that you don't, like, you're not used to, right? Mm -hmm. And that's creepy. Yeah. I mean, it really even ties, like, to the, to the Wendigo thing a, bit, a little bit, it ties back to how, uh, you know, what it sort of evolved into was also, like, a fear of you know, colonialism, right? Mm -hmm. Like how it used to be about like, don't eat people and like, and don't stray too far from the tribe. And then it was just like, this feels the reverse of that applied to the white man coming mm -hmm. in as like this other, this feels the reverse of that where it's the colonizers feel fear of the native people, which is right. Right. So like, exactly. It's like the opposite. It feels the like the opposite. Yeah. In a way. Um, Cool. So yeah, that's pretty much it. the last thing I wanted to say is uh, one thing I, I stumbled upon on uh, internetarchive.org was um, like where you could kind of look at PDFs of all these books. And then there was this other thing that I was like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm going to show Albert the uh, cover. The Habia's Primary School Opera 2006. Do you see that? It's like two kids wearing these masks. Oh, weird. It's like... Are those? It's homemade. It is very homemade. So what this is is, it's so crazy. I'm gonna play you a couple tracks. I guess a teacher, a, a teacher who had some musical talent, made an opera for his year one and year two students, and they sang. 
and he wrote the mu- he or she wrote the music. Awesome. And they recorded it. It's 45 tracks. 45 different tracks of Hobbyaz inspired music. It's called the Hobbyaz and it's it's the story. And like some of the tracks are only like 40 seconds or whatever. But so it's like a concept album. It's a concept album. Whoa. And I'm imagining that like they performed this for the parents and like the kids yeah. were on well, stage. A picture of some and then looks like something <laughs> something real weird. Paper plate masks painted they're, green. They're like paper mache. It's kind of like the one that Percy made um for Halloween. Yeah. Where like it's got like a weird nose thing. And so anyway, um this uh oh, what's cool? Maybe if any of our Australian listeners um first of all, if any of our Australian listeners um Call have it. a memory Tell of the Habiaz story. Yeah. Email us at don't be an idiot at gmail.com. Also, this is from uh, Spence Primary School in Aberfoyle Park, South Australia. And um, it was an opera written by the children of Room 7. <laughs> Whoa. Year one and two class. And I just wanted to um, play a few tracks and, uh, and then that'll be I it. I am ready to hear that. <laughs> So that was called the Hobbies. We're really, 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 really mean. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? I like it so far. So I'd like to see where it's going. This is when he, um, when the old man unscrews, they call it Toby's um, head. Before he went to bed, I heard that. Yeah, like, and I also heard him say something about putting his head on the shelf. Jesus. And then the last one, I think this is my favorite. Um, this is a tear down the corn stalks instead of instead of hemp stalks. You can say hemp. Tear down the corn Eat up the what, old man. Eat him up. Eat him up. The, it's say, got potential. It's got a lot of potential. The, the lead needs to project a little more. They all need With to project. Confidence. It's a little unclear what they're singing sometimes. Yeah, but that one, we should remake that one. I'd like. We should cover it and then send it to the school. And be like, whoever the hell made this with their class, we'd like to, you know. Right? Could you imagine? Like the principal. You're gets, so far away from the mic. The principal gets it, and they're like, uh, "You're fired. You're telling these kids to do all this shit." <laughs> right. Um, so anyway, that's the hobby. Eyes. <laughs>
Those were the hobby odds. Listen, guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Doobie a Monster. And uh, this is a long one. Like an hour and 20 minutes. We know you enjoyed it. We don't know. That was the hobby ass was so good. So was the Wendigo. Yeah, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. All right, listen. Email us at don't be an idiom at gmail.com. Um, t- hit us up. Tell us about your favorite monster. Yeah, that's true. Like, we'll look it up for you. And, like, you know, stuff some money in our mailboxes. <laughs> we need that sweet money. All right. Until well, the next- hobby eyes are coming for you. If you don't give us money, the hobby eyes is coming for you. Now that's a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to make a hobby eyes shirt, actually. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Until next time, do, do be, be a, a monster. monster.